ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. A reminder that if you can't listen every week live, you can find Don't Ask Me to Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also text D-A-M-T-T to 55678. You will be sent right into your uh, text messages, details on how to find the show. If you want to connect, if you have a comment or a question, feel free to call in. The number is 425-373-5527. You can also find me through my website, which is stacyconnects.com. So my guest today was supposed to be Dr. Erica Wood. However, she, as much as she would (laughs) have liked to have been here, uh, I got an eye roll from Eric on that one. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, She is playing in the snow I believe, with her son, which is fair. So uh, that actually created some awesome fortune for me in that Charlie Heller is my guest today. Hello. Hello. I'm here. You are. Rare opportunity. Right? So you finally get your solo episode. Yes. You were on with Legendary, and I had several people comment on how articulate you were and what good questions you asked. I appreciate that. Right? Um, I, though, have not had you on for your own whole episode. So here we are. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. So um, rant and ramble, of course. So first of all, of course, want to say hello to mom. And if Diane and Lee and Lee's daughter, Betsy, who is actually lives in Washington State, um, I think she's visiting with Lee right now. And so hello to everyone. And Merry Christmas. We survived. Did you have a good Christmas, Charlie? I had a lovely Christmas. It was amazing. Yeah? Yeah. Very nice. Did you get everything that you wanted? And more. Hey, there you go. What about you, Eric? Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was nice. It was laid back. Laid back is a good thing. Did you get everything that you asked for from Santa? Uh, not from Santa, but uh, from <laughs> other folks. I got way more than I asked for or expected. So, nice. yeah, it was good. Christmas, it's nice when it's sort of, um, I don't know, like the gifts that you ask for, it's great to get some of those, but then it's great to get things that are unexpected that show how well people know you. I agree. Right? That well, was... Understanding of others' character and then translating that into a gift is, is a fun thing to do, and I think it's even more fun to receive. Yeah, it was interesting to have um, Annie commented that she's like, I think everyone thinks that I'm old and boring. And I'm like, you're 25. (laughs) (laughs) She's the oldest. She is a caregiver. She's a teacher by profession. Um, Money is always an object when you're 25 and you have any profession, especially, though, if you're a teacher. And... So a lot of the gifts that we gave weren't didn't have the same fun vibe that they had for Charlie and for Grace and for Will. And so I think she was missing out on that a little bit. 
I also think it's pretty easy for me because like pretty much everything I do is entertainment based, like video games, music. Like I'm I'm very much a consumer. So it's it's not very hard to find things to satisfy me because I like to consume things. That's true. Remember that remember that phase that you went through when we were taking you to college like three months ago where you were like, I don't want to leave a big carbon footprint. Well, it's that's still true, but it's more like I believe in maybe not having too much, but I'm kind of falling back into my old habits where I I'm, have a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I, I'm aiming to not have too much stuff. Well, and you have been thrifting, but we'll talk more about that yeah, when... we can uh, speak on that more. Exactly. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a very interesting thing um, to kind of figure that out. Anyway, um, okay, the big news around the Heller House is that today mm. I and potentially all four of the kids are getting a tattoo. Bum, bum, bum. It's like a big deal. Now, you have to understand that I grew up in not like a conservative, like conservative Christian, but like just conservative East Coast family, like, you know, uh, navy blue sweater, loafers, twin sets, that kind of thing. So a tattoo? Mm, I don't think so. And dad, actually, when he was sick, Charlie, do you remember this? When we were all when we all were together as a family and yes. we saw he, he said two things I believe yes two big no nos yes I was young so I didn't really understand at the time but I remember hearing it and now I've kind of I understand it now obviously yes so do you want to share what they are well, well I'll share the first one because I I know this one he said no tattoos but I can't I don't want to get the second one wrong yeah so uh, the second one um, was well. I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to be controversial for people. Um, but he took a stance that is very much my, um, my, my mother's belief, a lot of people's belief, especially if you're Catholic. Let's just say every life has value. And so my dad made this random declaration, announcement, and it was an interesting thing because while he had definite opinions on things he did not necessarily speak definitively on things so it was so interesting and then fast forward to Annie being I don't know early 20s or something and we're hanging out at a friend's house a friend of mine and their daughters and me with my two daughters and the subject of tattoos comes up and Annie's like uh, hey, mom, could I just talk to you inside for a second? And she lets me know that she has, in fact, gotten a tattoo. And it's interesting because she was panicked about what Bampa, which is what my kids called uh, my dad, what Bampa would think. And I'm like, well, A, not to be crass, but he's dead. <laughs> so this is your body, your choice, and all of that. And B, I don't know, I sort of would like to think that when you die, I do believe that you have a spirit that lives on. And I even believe that you can continue to have a relationship with that spirit. However, I sort of feel like that becomes less important. You're not so worried about if your granddaughter or grandsons or whatever get a tattoo. I don't know. You sort of have bigger fish to fry. Like, hopefully. It's like an enlightenment in a way. Right. 
like you're just sort of like that's not the thing like maybe your priority shift and you're like I just want you to be happy and healthy right so when as people we often set rules and say this is how you have to be happier this is the rules you have to follow I agree that perhaps in the afterlife or like in a spiritual sense that's not so clearly defined right yeah the shoulds go away. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Right. And that the have tos and the musts and those kinds of things. So anyway, so Annie got a tattoo and now she has uh, several, actually. I have never really thought about getting a tattoo. However, this is my like, I don't even want to say it's a midlife crisis because it's not a crisis. Um, hopefully it's a midlife, although I don't know if I want to live to be 100. Anyway, I digress. Um I will say this is one of those, like, I would never bungee jump. Heck no. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm The likelihood that I would do some of those, like, the cliff diving and some of those things, like, that just seems like a huge risk. So this is my, like, hey, we're all on vacation. Like, sure, I'll get a tattoo. What could happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, it's more permanent. However, I mean, I'm not getting, like, a giant map. <laughs> a dragon. Right. Huge dragon on the on the forearm. Do you have one, Eric? I don't. No. But uh I I understand you're getting the classic uh heart with the mom banner across <laughs> it. Is that right? <laughs> Sailor's gift. Totally. All right. I love mom. And then it's like instead of it being a heart, it's a shot glass full of scotch. <laughs> it's like scratch and sniff no I am getting actually um something in homage to my my upbringing so for some reason I was called beans I've talked about this Eric has heard this before that was my nickname growing up and so then decided okay beans would be kind of cute um if I got a bunch of beans, so that it's beans plural, then it would just look like a hill of beans, and that seemed bad. Um, so decided to go with the spelling of the word and then had some fun playing in Canva and uh, designed my own tattoo. And it's going to be small, but now comes the question of placement. Now, this is happening in like an hour and a half. So you're getting a bean. I'm getting a bean. Okay, yeah. but what kind of bean? Well, it's not a, a coffee bean. There's a lot of different kinds of beans. It's sort of like a lima bean. Okay. It looks a bit like a lima bean. So I'll show like you. Baked beans. Hmm? Baked beans. Yeah, not baked beans. <laughs> <laughs> With the sauce. Yeah, right, exactly. I think that'd look All nice. Right. That'd be nice. That would be very interesting. Yeah. Like, Just don't go refried beans. I think that'll be oh. misinterpreted for the rest of your life. Right? I think that would be bad. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what, like the placement thing. So then once you decide what you're going to do, then the placement thing, it's like where I thought that I was going to do it is on my foot. Apparently, that's like the number one most painful spot to get it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm, okay. I mean, I had four children. On like, Okay, I'm not, I could have little, I said, Davidson. I could have little beans coming down yeah. on my cheeks like teardrops. <laughs> Yeah, classic. Um, Well, and then I thought, oh, on my middle finger, because mom likes to give us the finger because she's classy like that. Well, apparently that hurts, too. Because it's like there's no layers of like fat. Right. Fat doesn't really concentrate in these areas. So the irony that here it is, my moment where fat is a good thing (laughs) (laughs) and I don't have it in the places that I want to do the tattoo. Yeah, I'm having the same 
conundrum myself. I'm not really into the idea of getting a tattoo, less so because like I I don't mind the idea of you know having a design on myself or something like that. It's more of the process I'm afraid of. So, well, the needle thing, and yeah, exactly. like I will tell you, I have told you before. I'm telling you again now for all the world, or at least twenty of the world, to hear. Do not get it if you don't want it. Yeah. This is not the thing to be peer pressured into. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch everybody else get it and see how I feel. But my hope is that I got my um, ears pierced a few months back, and that was kind of an on-the-whim thing. And I ended up – I don't regret it. Like I, So I, I'm hoping that will be one of those things where I'm like, I'm really afraid in that moment, but I just do it because usually those end up paying off for me. Or they don't. <laughs> or maybe they don't. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying you like, so that will just fold really nicely into my stasism, which okay. is basically you have to do the things that feel right to you. Yes. You just can't, you know, for a long time, the whole tattoo thing, um, I had subscribed to a lot of the beliefs about tattoos because it's the environment I was raised in and it was just you know we didn't know a lot of people that had tattoos so with you know lack of education about that comes ignorance right and so therefore it was like oh you know people that go to Sturges get tattoos which by the way Sturges is cool and mom's been there yeah Eric has something to say oh I I don't know that Sturges is cool but uh (laughs) There was a time. There, there was a turning point. There, it, I gotta say, like uh, maybe pre ninety eight, ninety nine, where most people didn't have tattoos. It right. was like sailors and bikers and whatnot. Right. And uh, you know the few adventurous folks out there in right, the like alternative crowd or whatever. Yes. But and, and then like there was suddenly a turning point where every single person on the planet. Uh, decided, okay, uh, I want a tattoo now for some reason. I don't per- understand it myself, but it was just like, you know, every 12-year-old girl just decided this <laughs> is the thing, and then it it never changed back. It never flipped back to, you know, just sailors and bikers. It, right. It, it was it's everybody. Just, it's everybody, yeah. Well, so, and that's the thing that's so yeah. interesting to me, which is why I say you have to do what's right for you because I think about, you know, if I had my perspective that I was sort of always aware of and I grew up with, then, you know, I have these moments where I think about Annie someday if she's, you know, shopping for a wedding dress. There's that show, um, Say Yes to the Dress, and you see people trying on dresses and they have tattoos. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. And then I realize in my sane, non-mom, non-judgy mode you know what, like, who's for me to say, A, for all I know, Annie is going to get married in a jumpsuit. I don't know. Like, so who knows if she's even going the traditional route. B, my definition of beautiful for someone else doesn't matter. And C, of course she's beautiful. And by the way, it's not just bikers and sailors and rock stars that get tattoos. It's special ed teachers. It's everybody. It's everybody. Yes. I mean, I'm getting one. Like, yes. if I'm getting one, basically the world is coming to an end. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway. But at the end of the day, my point is you have to do what feels right for you. And, you know, it's just always going to be that thing that makes you feel fidgety or uncomfortable. Um, when you kids were growing up, I always talked about your moral compass. 
and yeah. that, you know, if you follow your true north and doing the things that you want to do, it's pretty easy. And you'll notice that when you do something that you're not comfortable with, it's like you start to get like butterflies or anxiety about things. And it's because you're. Yeah, I think for me, the challenge is that I'm generally get anxious in situations where I know I want to do something, but the process scares me. That's what what I kind of mean when I like when I wanted to get my ears pierced for a long time. I had a lot of interest in it and I had thought it through. I'd done the research, but it was a matter of when I was in the room, I had to make that split second decision. I could have backed out or not. Right. And so like every part of me wanted to, but it's the process that scares me. So I think that's kind of how I am with the tattoo right now. It's a matter of um, either committing or not. And, you know, I think it's fine if I back out this time, but I do know it's something I want to do. So I just maybe need to get to the point where I'm comfortable enough where even if I maybe am anxious because that's a natural thing, I can kind of overcome that. Yeah, I used to have this thing where I would tell you kids to, if you were afraid of something, then like kind of put it in your hand and squeeze it really tight. Mm -hmm. And that by the time you finished doing whatever it was you were afraid of doing, public speaking, uh, you know, I don't know, um, walking up to somebody or whatever it was, your hand will have relaxed and the fear will have gone away. Yeah. So, okay. Well, when we come back, we are going to talk with Charlie, and I'm going to see if I can get him to divulge all kinds of um, Charlie secrets because there's so much I don't know about him. So keep listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm J.D.K. Winnikin, host of This Show is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams, and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Whether it's fly fishing or French pastry, we all have something that makes our tail wag. Involuntary and instinctive, it's sparked by excitement, inspired by purpose, and it speaks to who we are. I'm Stacy Heller of Stacy Connects. I lead clients to the place that makes their tail wag. As a creative director, I bring ideas to life. As a podcast producer, I give ideas a voice. Stacy Connects, it's my superpower. If you want to connect with me, Stacy Heller, go to stacyconnects.com. Alternative Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. I am joined today by my son, my youngest son, whose age I keep getting wrong. I keep saying he's 18. He's 19. Oops. Well, so that leads to the first thing. So I am the baby of my family. You are the baby of your family. Yes. So, tell me what you think about that position in birth order. Um, 
it has its benefits. It also has its downsides, I would say. I mean, the the benefits are obvious. Like, maybe less is expected of you in a, in a weird way. For me, like, I can sometimes get out of doing chores, which is a classic maneuver. Uh-huh. But um, also sometimes it, it, it can result in being... It's going to sound maybe a little harsh the way I'm putting it, but it's it's not as bad as it sounds, like a punching bag in a way. Like everybody will kind of well, yeah. gang up on you. But that's just, you know, that's part of the job. So Totally. And you get used to it pretty quickly. So Well, and you become resilient. Yeah, exactly. And typically you can get away with far more. Yes. Like my brothers used to like give me noogies and do this thing where they would hold me at like an arm's distance and like I couldn't get near them. Stiff arm? Yes. Yeah, and, like, they would do all these terrible things to me, and I couldn't get back at them in the obvious ways, but I could get back at them in very subtle ways. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, you fully embrace the get away with murder thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean when take it, advantage of it. Right. Now, you are also like me in that you have uh, extraordinary powers of what shall we call it manipulation and lying yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> and I have the same thing and I always say to you use your powers for good not evil um, when did you realize that you had these powers I don't know because it's like a passive like you know it's bad when it just becomes part of the way you speak then it's not even powers anymore it's just how you talk so that's something I've personally actually been trying to work on because, like, it, I would like to be able to express myself without having to constantly use little tactics. Right. Which is the what I would consider the ideal. Sometimes it's useful when you're maybe, like, in a conversation with someone and you're trying to achieve some end, but sometimes you just want to be able to speak to people on, like, a personal level, but you struggle because you have, like, a defense mechanism up at all times. Right. Well, and do you find that the shortest distance between two points is a lie? At times, yeah. Like sometimes it's even just a convenience thing. It's like so natural because it's like I'd rather just answer this way because it's either less questions or, you know, like. Thank you for confirming what I have been saying for years. I can't tell you the number of moms or just people in general that I have said this to that for many kids that the shortest distance between basically like getting away from mom and dad and the questioning and being left alone is a lie. And I lied to my parents all the time. Sorry, mom. Uh, but not really sorry. I wasn't doing anything bad. I just didn't want to be questioned. Right. It was just easier. And ironically, I was not doing, I really wasn't doing anything bad at all. And it almost felt like not hanging out with a bunch of friends or not being at a party or not doing those things were going to be somehow more disappointing than the fact that I was like, I was reading a book. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, I was out, like doing whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I noticed that that is something else that you are very much like me with. Yes. Now, is that something that you also would like to change? Yes. There's a lot of things that I would like to personally work on that are deeply entrenched into how my brain functions. And so I've struggled for many years to kind of combat it in a way, 
but um, but it's still a work in progress, I would say, because it's it's not even always malicious, like you said. Like sometimes it is just the convenience of saying something, right? And so then, like I'll say something at times, and I'm like, why don't I just tell the truth? Like why don't I just, you know, right. like why'd I do that? So I want to ha- I want to get to a point where I don't have to ask myself that because I'm not telling these right little lies. I was talking about this with somebody uh, today. She was saying that uh, sometimes, I, I have no idea what the correlation is, but that if you purse your lips too much, it can create wrinkles or something. I don't know. I mm-hmm. don't do anything that really maintains any kind of elasticity in my skin. So whatever. Um, but I was like, I went through a huge phase of pouting, 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 pouting. And it must have been, like, the thing to do because, like, Molly Ringwald in every 80s movie was pouting. And so I pout, would pout all the time. And then just something happened where I actually, I know what happened. I went and I worked in Maine for a couple of summers. And after the second summer working there, um, I came home and it was noticeable that I had lost my pout. And I'm not sure what happened. Maybe it's that I discovered that the world is bigger than myself. And that was something that was huge. There's been a huge shift in growth in you. What do you think that that's attributed to? Um, I'd say, like, when it comes down to it, one thing I've really tried to change in the past years is kind of how I view other people. Because for a long time in my life, I kind of viewed it as, like, my most important value was me being able to do what I want to do, right? And so... Anything that impeded on me doing what I wanted to do was, you know, something I did not like. And so I've kind of tried to incorporate through conversations with my friends. Like, this has been brought on by a variety of factors that I could get into. But the main thing is I've tried to kind of consider other people's feelings in my politics, in my, you know, actions. Because, like you said, the world is bigger than yourself. And I think that's something I've also kind of come to realize. And so I think it's important that I account for a more worldly view because I think it's closer. Oftentimes, the more worldly view is closer to being a more full view, which mm-hmm. is inherent with, like, you get more perspectives. So it's, like, just consider considering other people how they feel and less about, like, are they in my way kind right. of thing. Well, respect is a big thing for you. Yes. Like, you being able to do what you want and then respect is is an overarching value yeah. for you. Yeah. I, I very much do not like being what how I feel disrespected. That's very important to me. Well, and so define then what you what encompasses respect for you. Because I think for you respect is is a bigger bucket. Yeah, I would say like at times I can be frustrated if, if I feel like people aren't taking me seriously when I'm trying to say something serious. Like it's it's mostly like it, it's almost in kind of encompasses empathy because respect oftentimes isn't the intent of people, but they will not be um, like worldly enough to realize the people around them emotions. So then they won't respect them because they don't know that, oh, I should actually take this serious right now. Right. So it's like it's kind of falls under the bucket of empathy where it's knowing how to react to people, knowing how to take information in and react to it and how your actions should be guided by your emotions and other people's emotions. I think that's very important. Um, So, yeah, respect is a lot of things to me, but I think one of the main things is being able to um, respond appropriately. 
Well, and I noticed that you do not like it when you feel that you that you or your concerns um, or quirks or whatever it is are dismissed. Yes, exactly. Like th- th- that's kind of like what I'm talking about where it would be um, I have like certain quirks or things that really can like set me off. And so then when people maybe don't take them as seriously as I believe they should, it, it, it feels like a dig at me because you like present the information of, oh, this really sets me off. And then it feels like it gets trampled on. Right. So that's it feels like a disconnect because it's almost like giving somebody the playbook as to how to now there's obviously a level of like being reasonable right like and for I would say for a long time in my life I was very unreasonable in my requests living in a house with as many people as I do I would sometimes have like requests about don't touch this don't touch that but it's like things that are in a communal space and so one thing I've worked on is kind of letting go but there's still some things that can set me off um, but I try to keep them within reason and kind of like realize that I'm part of the problem and I need to relinquish a little bit of my control. So how do you navigate that? Because you are a freshman in college this year. So you went from more of a controlled space to now a space that while you do have your a room, you're sharing it with a roommate and mm-hmm. there's people in and out of dorm rooms and on that kind of thing. So then how do you navigate that? I think it's about, for me, picking my battles. Like I know there's some things I can control and I know there's some things I can't. And just accept what I can control and then let go of everything else. So, for example, some of my most valuable possessions, like my Nintendo Switch, I bring it to school. I like to play video games. I generally don't like it if other people are, like, playing it when I'm not there because it's just an expensive mm-hmm. t- piece of technology. So I try to keep control of that. I keep it on my side. I let people know, like, hey, I'll play it with you. But, but like, there's other things where I'm more willing, like, you know, I'll share my speaker with, like, the hall at times. Like, it's just about, it's really just picking and choosing the battles and, like, you know, what I absolutely can't forfeit in, in my head and what I can. Do you find that your generation is um, more forthcoming with things that we'll describe as quirks, like that people share like, oh, hey, um, here's the boundaries or, you know, here's something that bugs me. Um, or do people stay quiet about those kinds of things? I think it depends on the person. I think part of what I've, when I'm talking about where I go through these changes where I'm trying to be more like empathetic and understand others emotions around me with my actions is learning that because I think part of it is people will show you that maybe even subconsciously or unconsciously I guess you could say and so I think it's important to learn people's it's like um you know I have a pretty rowdy group of friends right and sometimes they'll we'll, we'll be cooking and we'll do be doing all this stuff and we'll be at somebody's house and their house they're like very like they want a space where it doesn't feel like their house is being disrespected so for me, I read that and I know that they don't like their, so I'm trying to be respectful of the space. But It's like being almost uh, self-aware in your body and like in your space and the mess you're creating. And then you act accordingly around that. So I think for some people my age, they will tell you straight up. That, that's more rare though. Part of it is reading and being able to tell what boundaries you can, what are the boundaries, I guess. So where do you think that ability to kind of read the crowd, read the room came from? To be honest, I mean, to kind of pat you on the shoulder here, um, I think it had to do with a lot of the way I was raised, to be honest. Like, I think I was raised to be pretty well-mannered and also, like, a, a little more understanding. Like, a lot of people will just kind of, maybe in, I, I'm having a hard time finding the words, but it's almost like a narcissistic worldview without knowing it, where you almost believe you're the like you just kind of go through life and you don't realize what you're doing is narcissistic, but without ever taking a step back 
and realizing, okay, I need to... Right, how this impacts. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. like calling somebody a narcissist is kind of a big accusation. So I wouldn't say these people are like narcissists, but it's more like they have never really had to consider anything else. Well, they've been in a bubble. Exactly. I know that, um, I can't remember if it was who it was, maybe Grace. She was saying that uh, growing up, you know, dad and I were always really strict about manners when we went out someplace, when we went into someone's home and how you addressed them and at restaurants and we wouldn't let you run around and climb all over the seats and and whatever it was. And it's partly because, again, one of my Stasiisms, there's no such thing as best manners. There's just manners. Mm -hmm. And, And additionally, so not only was it training, but it was also like there are people that are paying money to be out and while friendlies maybe are like I'm not in the mood to cook go to place it might be somebody's like first date or it's like this is a special meal for them or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and it just ruins it and I think it was Grace that was just saying you know now she'll be someplace eating and kids are running all over the place and she's like ugh now I get it now I understand why you were like on us yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And like it happens everywhere and then you you are glad that you were not raised in a way where that type of behavior was allowed. Cuz I also think that kids will kids will be kids and you have to let kids grow up in like a, a space where they can be creative and express themselves. But also there's a way of doing it without allowing your kids to have poor behavior and manners. Right. So it's like it's just an important thing to teach kids because then you'll end up having these people that may not have a full understanding of how they may be unconsciously disrespecting other people's boundaries. Right. Well, and it's um, so many people are in a bubble. Yes. And just don't really realize what's going on. Yes. Okay. So your love, you are a computer science major. Yes. You have always loved technology. Totally. What is your earliest memory with technology? I think it would be playing the Leapster, which was like, for anybody that doesn't know, it's like a educational Game Boy portable little system. Um, I think with the Leapster, and I want to say, like, I, I'd go to um, Annie's Ballroom Dancing, and I'd play the Leapster a lot. Now, a little background on this, folks. So I have a picture of Charlie. So he was born in... October. Mm-hmm. And so your first Christmas, you were just a couple months old. Yep. But the next Christmas then, you were 14 months old, 15 months old. And I have a picture of you playing your sibling's leapster <laughs> on Uncle Peter, my brother. And he's lying on the couch and you are sitting there. And at that age, parents are always talking about how toddlers have like parallel play and they don't have like attention span and you know gross motor skills and fine motor skills and all this stuff and I'm like I don't know what you people are talking about because my kid if left unchecked will sit here for an hour and play the leapster and is completely managing that little stick and answering the questions and is fully engaged yeah I mean why it would then surprise me when you're a preteen and into teenage years, you would play all these games and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is what he does. Like, is he going to be like a 40 year old living in my basement yelling, hmm. ma, I want meatloaf. Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. 
hopefully I'm go down the path of successful tech guy rather than mom's basement gamer guy. Right, exactly. Okay, on that note, I want to talk about what you're thinking you want to do with your computer science. Uh, let's take a really quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk more with Charlie Heller, computer science major. We'll be right back. Don't ask me to talk. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh and relevant? Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Okay, welcome back to the show. Before the break, we were talking about Charlie's uh, interest and abilities in computer games and how if I had looked back at that time, then I shouldn't be surprised about what you're interested in now and um and not to panic because your child may also play with video games a lot and uh don't necessarily completely squash that because charlie is a very creative sensitive person so you are going for computer science yes what are you thinking that you want to do well it's such a like a it's a broad degree in that. Like, you can go anywhere with it. So I've had a, multiple thoughts, and they're, they're still kind of all competing. And it's, it'll be a matter of years before I decide. But I've thought about the game industry, because I do love games. Naturally. But I've also thought a lot about um, something, some technologies to help out, like, differently abled people. And I've spoken to you about this, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked a little bit um, last year. It was online as, as, as a senior in high school. Um, I was a peer tutor for the um, special education classroom, and I had a super fun time, and it was super cool. And I started doing some research, and I realized that there's a kind of, um, there's a need not being met in the technology space where differently abled students, if technology was integrated, education could be improved. And so I've always, since then, I've kind of um, thought up some ideas. I haven't really, they haven't really come to fruition because I would probably need to do more research on, like, the medical side of it to, you know. Sure. But um, I, I've had an interest since then in perhaps technological solutions of some kind, and whether that would be um, becoming a part of some existing company like Microsoft and adapting their products to become more accessible or creating something of my own, I'm not sure yet. But that is something that's definitely of interest to me because I think there is a large potential um, that is definitely not being met. And... I think a part of it has to do with you have companies like Microsoft 
and they're building their products for the most profit incentive and that isn't necessarily always going to bring the most profit but i also think uh, um, microsoft and these companies have made a lot of strides in incorporating inclusive inclusivity into their products and are maybe um not doing as much as they could though and mm-hmm. so that's something that you can continue to push right so um yeah that's probably one of my i focuses love that and when you and i have talked about this You know, not only is it amazing, so having your sister Annie uh, Mm -hmm. be a special education teacher, she really has opened my own eyes, and I'm sure everyone in our family, about people that are differently abled. And that, you know, um, that it may be that the spirit is willing, but the body is weak, or the brain is willing, but, you know, again, the body's weak, or whatever whatever the combination is. And so, as you say, um, making sure that there is inclusivity in terms of access to technology for differently abled people. And then I remember you talking about this and you were like, I I just have always loved playing video games. Like mm-hmm. they are a stress reliever for me. And they are, you know, some of the games that you've played, you're a puzzle solver. Yep. Like you love a puzzle where you're like, you know, trying to do a math problem to a certain degree. It's like, ugh, I don't want to have to do this like 15 times until I get it right. But trying to figure out how to get out of a level of something, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I can do this like for days. And you talked about how, you know, why shouldn't somebody that is differently abled have access to the same enjoyment and fun and interaction and the way that for you, um, it always sort of brought your synapses to life. Yeah. I also do think it's important to note that, like, video games are an artistic medium. They maybe not get the same amount of, like, uh, recognition for, as an artistic medium, but like a movie is or anything else, video games can be used to express a lot of messages. And, and I think that a lot of people, especially... Um, like older generations who didn't maybe grow up with video games, used to very maybe an arcade type video game like your Pac-Man and everything. But I would argue that like, especially as technology improves, you get to see these like fully realized visions that can tell an, a complex story. And, and not every video game is like a shooter game. Like, you know, my friends and I, we love this game called Abzu and you swim through the ocean and you're swimming through and you get to like uh, ride on whales and you do all this crazy stuff under the water and it, it has like a narrator telling you about like the organisms and like how the ocean works. It's like a, kind of an educational experience. And it has like this interesting message about like preserving the oceans mm-hmm. and like the power of the individual to do that. And so I think um, that is also an extremely interesting ability that video games have where they can actually make you feel like you're in the action, which can sometimes make a message stronger than like being a spectator like you would in maybe a book or a movie. Right. It's, so. it's that whole concept of edutainment. Yes. And uh, for somebody that has uh, ADHD like myself, and you've got ADHD, mm-hmm. um, engaging multiple senses, it's like a way to lock down learning on things. So you've got like the visual going, and then you're listening to the story, and then you're interacting with your hands by having to like move forward or do whatever the action is. Yeah. The, the other point I think is interesting to make that video games have um, is that... So when you s- watch a movie, they it may try to evoke emotions, but sometimes it may not feel right because a character is making a decision you don't agree with. 
In video games, it has this really powerful ability where every everywhere you go, everything you do is your choice. So it can almost create a uh, a more pronounced sense of guilt or happiness because your choices have direct consequences in the context of the game. Whereas as a movie spectator, you may feel something emotionally, but it's because you're connected to the character, whereas you are the character. So your choices affect you. So Interesting. That, I never thought about that. Yeah. Did you read Choose Your Own Adventure as a kid? I did a little bit, but that's kind of the same idea where like yeah. your choices have are more profound on yourself because you're the one that made them. Right. And I think that's a really powerful in, uh, thing about interactive media that is maybe not as, um, it's not even fully realized yet. It's still being developed. Right. Well, and in a generation of people that are talking about the carbon footprint that we're leaving mm-hmm. and, you know, like the choices that we're making and the impact that it has on the world, it's an interesting thing to realize. Exactly. So, hmm, very interesting. Well, and I knew that you were going to be uh, articulate about this when you wanted to get, I think, Minecraft on the PC. Yes. and I had it on the Xbox. Right. And Dad was like, no. And I remember, so in parenting, in case you haven't noticed, you typically try to have a united front in front of the kids because you don't want to have a weak link because then the kids know like, oh, like she's the bad cop, he's the good cop, whatever. So you try to have a united front. And I don't remember if you did a PowerPoint or if you just... It was a PowerPoint. And you made the argument using ESPN and dad's um, basically consumption of ESPN on his phone, on the TV, and on the computer, and how all three, uh, basically, vehicles to consume ESPN were different and gave a different user experience. And that, based on that, doesn't he understand that you should also have access to different platforms and so that you can have different user experiences. Yeah, that was <laughs> one of my be, stronger arguments. Right? And behind closed door, I was like, oh, he got you. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. It was a very good one. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've always had a very logical, and you also used to talk about how video games could be, um, like, they could be part of, like, um, like a, considered a sport. Yeah, but they're they're not exactly a sport. They're a, Like chess, a, though. Yeah, exactly. It's like a... A lot of times the games that are popular are like a game of um, using your brain and reflexes often. Um, but it's like to say that it's not a, a valid competitive thing is unfair, When especially when there's millions of dollars in the lines on these big tournaments. I think there was a legal I'm, – I'm probably going to say this wrong, but there's been many uh, tournaments for a popular game, League of Legends, where the prize pool has been like upwards of like $10 million. Like that's just ridiculous money. That is ridiculous money. It shows yeah. you how much money there is in gaming. Okay, so now – There are tons of parents out there, myself included, that worries about their kid that is in their room, headphones on, playing video games. And the access to this kind of underground world that exists and, you know, the chat rooms and all that kind of stuff. So how did you navigate that? I mean, I remember at one point, I think you were you were in middle school and you were like a moderator on. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think there definitely, I'll be honest, I think there definitely needs to be some policing. Um, But I also think that kids aren't dumb. But there's a balance, I think. Because one of the things when I I, I played a lot of video games in middle school, there was a game very popular called Counter-Strike. And you could get these uh, weapon skins, right? 
and they changed the look of your weapon, and they had a, an assigned value to them. And so you could also trade items with other players. So it created this kind of market economy within the game where um, rare items could be worth upward of thousands of dollars, and then out of that spawned websites where you could then gamble these items. So you pretty much had legal gambling for like kids my age. I never actually partaked in it, but I had friends that did, and they lost money from it. And I think there's something similar happening in the game Roblox, which is very popular. So it's the type of thing where you need to make sure your kids aren't spending your money and gambling because that's a whole issue, right? Right, right? But I also think kids aren't dumb and like there's um there's a, there's a balance that needs to be struck. Now, where that is with between the parent and child, that needs to be a discussion that's had. But I, I wouldn't argue that you should just let your kid have free reign and do whatever they want. But I also think, again, kids need to be able to experience the internet because it will become an important part of our lives. Right. Okay, so then when you think about influences, like one of the things that we always worried about is where, you know, because you'd go in your room and you would get your homework done. You've always been a student that like you'd get your homework done on the bus, you'd come home. It was like, how was your day? You're like, great, I need to go unwind. And your unwinding was video games. And you spent lots of time. And some of the things that I didn't get were the fact that you had a very um, vibrant, like, social life with people online. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how can you have friends that are friends online? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, two, where you would get your information and your news. And what's interesting is you had a full circle moment recently with some kids that were, are, are basically, probably like you did at one point, following some influencer or gamer mm-hmm. or host or whatever it is blindly and basically um, are rabid fans of this person mm-hmm. and you're older and you have the ability to step back and look at the content of this person's character and you're like not so good yeah no that's definitely true there's a there's a whole thing about it um, online it's it's like there's like a pipeline and essentially what it is is it's kind of a product of the YouTube algorithm so a lot of kids my age and you know in middle school I consumed a lot of YouTube content and what will happen is you'll get recommended videos that get increasingly more edgy to the point where it gets political. And then it becomes indoctrination. And so it's very dangerous. And I think that uh, especially middle school, that like seems to be a prime time for a lot of people where that happens. You need to make sure that your kids are watching content that's appropriate. Because it's very easy for the YouTube algorithm to start to kind of take you down this rabbit hole to where next thing you know you're watching videos that are about things you don't even understand, but you agree with them. And so I, I am grateful that I had that experience in the sense that now I feel I can accurately describe the phenomenon. And I think it's actually very common for a lot of kids at that age, in my generation and, and the generations following. I think what's scary is that it's continuing to happen. And so, you know, if, you, if you're an older sibling and you have a brother or sister that's that age, check up on them, make sure they're not... If you're a parent, maybe check up on them. I, I genuinely think that it's... a dangerous thing how these algorithms work to kind of feed off of your biases and continue to take you deeper and darker down the internet and in right. views. Because once you start clicking on certain things, then it senses like, ooh, yeah. we got a live one here. Yeah, exactly. So then how do you come out of that um, fairly unscathed to be as um, like you've reached this place going circling all the way back to the beginning of the show where you are being so much more self-aware, you're making choices about, you know, what's important to you and who you are. And um, so how do you come out from that? 
I think for me, it was almost like a full restoration of my character where I had a moment where um, I had a moment where I had a lot of energy. Part of it was anger. You know, I was upset for a while and I realized that I could take this kind of energy that I had and I could send it and just kind of sit there and do nothing and like have it drain away or I could use it to kind of elevate myself. And so I started to make a lot of changes. And one of the things I really didn't like is how kind of upset I was all the time. And so I started to do like more research. Like I, I just kind of educated myself, you know, raised my self-esteem, did all these things that I feel like the more, I feel like for me, the more confident I became, the more empathetic I became in a weird way. And then that led to kind of a ch- change in like, it, it was like a cascading effect. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that would be true for everyone because I people with these, with certain views, to say that they just have low self-esteem wouldn't be fair. Right. That's just right. what happened to me. Right. Well, and, you know, when you're young and you're looking for if you have those feelings of um, anxiety or insecurity or um, inferiority or you're just like, I don't know who I am. Yeah, then I attach somebody, to it. Yeah. Right, you attach to it. So then as you are coming up out of it, how do you ensure that you're not attaching to then other things that are are seemingly more healthy but maybe aren't? Um. That can be hard, but for me, I think it's a matter of having your my views challenged. Like, um, back then, I pretty much full-out rejected anybody that disagreed with the ideals at the time. What? Yeah, so, like, people will, people will oftentimes say, like, oh, I'm considering the other source. That's usually not true. They're really not. And I, I've gotten better about that. Now, would I say I'm perfect at it? No. But I think... It, it's healthy to have discourse because even if you come out and you still have the same beliefs, at least you've been exposed to another view. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying, where the more views you have, the more full your view is because at least you considered somebody else's. At least yep. you can say, oh, my view I still believe is the superior view, but at least it's not the only view I know. Right. So that, I think that's very important. And I've gotten way better at that. And that's kind of led me to continue to evolve and change my views and adapt them. All right. I love that. Uh, We only have like a minute here. Um, So what would you say is uh, your three biggest creative outlets? Um, That's a hard one. Coding, because I like to make little projects. Um, Music, though I don't make music, but I like to like listen Mm -hmm. to music. It Mm -hmm. gets creative juices flowing. Coding. Um, This is hard. Oh, definitely, definitely fashion. I, I don't know why I blanked on that one. Fashion. I love to go thrifting. I love to get unique pieces and wear weird clothes. I love it. Yes. Um. Well, I have to say, as your mother, it is a joy to watch you uh, emerge and do your own thing and be who you are and your point of view. And um, it is like... It's like finding an unexpected gem. Like, I always knew that you were fabulous, um, but it's just a really cool thing to watch. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, you got any um, social media you want people to follow you on? <laughs> um, I mean, I have an Instagram if anybody, I guess, wants to follow. It's just charlie.heller. There you go. Yeah. Um, I Do you have any posts at all? No, I don't really post any <laughs> But it's it's what I have. There you go. Feel free. All right. Um, Well, thank you for being my guest. Of course. It was amazing. And uh, thank you to Eric. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, 
next time I'm on the show, it'll be a whole new year. I don't remember who my guest is next week, so we'll all be surprised together. Have a great week, everyone. Stay connected. Yeah. Talk. Yeah.